Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a podcast sponsored by the Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center, dedicated to educating listeners about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Well, welcome back to Let's Clear the Air, all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your host, Liz Edwards. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sarah Adams. We are in our Clarksville location. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thanks, Liz. Good to see you. Good to see you. We are talking today about what food allergies are and what they are not. I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. And I guess we can start with um, parents of littles. And we do see a lot of littles here. Yes especially in that first year Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to know i mean you're trying to make sure they're on the right food yes the right formula all the things and then you don't know where the reactions may be yes um so what do you tell a new parent that might be coming in that's you know like oh the stool looks different Mm. or my baby's throwing up a lot suddenly Mm. like Mm -hmm. what are those out indicative of food allergies yeah so First things first, especially with those littles, I always encourage parents, start with your pediatrician. Mm -hmm. They're there for a reason. They're there to guide you. Your baby or little one is probably not the first to have whatever symptoms they have. And those pediatricians are really good at helping to give you the guidance on whether it's reassurance, next steps, or clarity as to what may be going on. So always start with your pediatrician. They're a great resource and they're there to be there for you during those times of ups and downs. And let's be honest, infancy, toddlerhood is full of ups and downs. Yeah. But when folks come to me to get some clarity, it sometimes can be challenging because when we test specifically for food allergy, Mm -hmm. what we're really testing for is what's called an IgE mediated response or an IgE um, type one hypersensitivity. Those are all big words. Mm -hmm. I always say doctors use big words. They make us sound smart. But um, essentially what we're looking for is an immediate type reaction, a reaction that could progress to life threatening symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so what that oftentimes will include are Uh, skin changes like hives. You may see lip swelling, coughing, um, difficulty breathing, gagging or vomiting. Typically, um, it occurs pretty immediately after ingestion of the food. So um, within 30 minutes to an hour after eating that food, oftentimes much sooner, you will notice these symptoms. We have foods that cause allergies more commonly than others. So um, we think a lot about peanuts, tree nuts, uh, dairy, fish, shellfish, wheat, eggs. Those are kind of those big allergens in soy, excuse me, soy. But um, it's important to remember that those foods, when we test for a food allergy, we want to test in the setting of reactions concerning for food allergy. And let me clarify that because that can be hard because parents will say, well, well, why just just test and tell me if it's positive, it's positive, it's negative, it's negative. What's so hard about our food allergy testing, Liz, is it's not perfect. That's what I tell parents. It's not perfect, unfortunately. Um, I wish it were. It would give so much more clarity, um, but it's not perfect. Meaning when I test, I can have something called a false positive. Meaning if I test you to a food, it could come back positive, but clinically mean absolutely nothing. Meaning you could test positive, but actually you can eat that food just fine. And particularly in the setting of littles, we always wanna be thoughtful about what we're testing for so that we're not arbitrarily removing foods from that kid's diet unnecessarily. Right, because I mean, we were just told about a year or so ago to start 
introducing all those quote unquote allergenic foods earlier yes to desensitize so we've learned that well you know years ago we used to say hold off on those allergenic foods wait until they're older Mm -hmm. but through different studies looking at different populations and trying to understand why food allergy was more prevalent in certain areas than others we learned that early introduction into the gut so by mouth can actually reduce the development and reduce the risk of developing food allergy. Um, and so we have, we've kind of flipped the script, so to speak, in that we encourage parents to do early introduction of these more allergenic foods rather than waiting with the goal of getting that food in the diet sooner rather than later to help prevent development of food allergies. Um, but the other thing I tell parents a lot is foods can certainly cause all sorts of symptoms or not even symptoms, but just changes. Um, mm-hmm. So certainly as new foods foods are introduced into a kid's diet, you will likely see their stool change. Um, there may be foods that cause uh, things like reflux. Um, you know, as kiddos get older, tummy pains, um, changes in their bowel habits, um, and even sometimes rash, although that can be, you know, when kiddos eat um, like berries they may notice some redness things like that and I tell parents just because there's some change there it's it may be secondary to a food or it may be related to a food or foods but that doesn't mean it's a food allergy and that can be challenging because when we test what we're really testing for is as I mentioned does somebody is somebody going to have that type 1 hypersensitivity that immediate type reaction my testing unfortunately won't really tell you much about other types of symptoms or changes that come along with foods and so what we say is in those situations it's oftentimes not indicated and usually not helpful to do what is your opinion about babies or young toddlers that develop eczema I think, yeah. Do you think that is food allergy related or not necessarily? I think that's a great question. So I will say yes and no, Liz. Yeah. Um, so uh, eczema is unique. Um, it ranges in severity. There's mild, there's moderate, and there's severe. Um, and so, again, your pediatrician can be that first stepping stone into really working through um, how to manage the eczema, how to mm-hmm. help. But certainly we see a lot of kids that make their way to us for eczema questioning if we can identify particular triggers. Is there anything, you know, families can do to help make the eczema go away, other ways to manage it? And a lot of times the question that comes up, well, is it a food? Um, And with these patients, every patient's going to be a little different, to be honest with you, Liz. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Food allergy is not a one-size-fits-all. Allergy in general is not a one-size-fits-all. Every person, every patient's a little different. Um, And so what I tell parents, the older a kiddo gets, the less likely it is to be a food that's causing their eczema or contributing. Um, Certainly, I will hear, you know, every time they eat X, Y, or Z, their eczema flares, and that is possible. But usually the kiddo still enjoys the food, they want to eat it. And so what I tell parents is let's work on managing the eczema so they can continue to eat those foods they enjoy rather than resulting in what is likely more of an irritation, an irritant reaction. And so if we can get the eczema better, usually they can continue to enjoy the foods they eat. When a food is related to eczema, and as I mentioned, usually the older the kiddo is, the less likely it is moving into toddlerhood and whatnot. The the most common relationship is gonna be more so in infancy babies. 
and it's not common that's what i'll say liz it's okay. not common but it can happen but it is typically what i'll find is this very severe presentation of eczema just diffuse not really responding challenging and what's happened is a food has made its way in the diet and um rarely but sometimes through breast milk um sometimes with that um formula mm -hmm. potentially um that's just kind of driving this persistent and i'll say it again more severe type eczema those are the cases where we have a conversation mm -hmm. we explore that history in depth and then we decide if testing is warranted or not it um Allergy testing should never just be a, yeah, let's just put it on and see what happens. It should always be after a conversation and a really thorough history. Because again, with those littles and you know those kiddos, we wanna make sure we're keeping their diet as broad as possible and not taking out anything that's unnecessary. Right. Um, but I often find for more of that patchy eczema, that more mild to moderate, rarely is it a food, and if we can work to get your eczema under control, those foods tend to become less of an issue that you, um, particularly the foods that you maybe had concerns about. So as we go throughout our life, I feel like I talk, anybody I talk to, you know, people will be like, oh, I can't eat that anymore because it gives them a particular symptom. Sure. Is that considered an intolerance? I, I know it's not necessarily an allergy, but it, yeah, maybe intolerance isn't the proper word. No, great question, Liz. <clears throat> and I think um, that's such a good point because we all know that foods can make us feel certain ways and we yeah. all want to feel our best um and diet has a big impact on that it just mm -hmm. does but you are correct in that as we get older as we have more birthdays one of my patients suggested to me i was like i like that um, as we have more <laughs> birthdays foods impact us differently and right. what may impact you liz maybe impacts me in a different way again no one size fits all mm -hmm. but um it's difficult to kind of say what is that reaction, so to speak? So again, when we think about food allergy, which is what our, we have testing for, evidence-based testing for, that's gonna be that immediate type one hypersensitivity reaction. You eat the food and you have hives, difficulty breathing, coughing, vomiting, diarrhea. And so oftentimes if I have somebody who comes in, concerns about symptoms or, um, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, difficulty with foods, but not necessarily fitting that allergic type picture. I explain to them the difference and I explain foods certainly can do things to our bodies and cause different symptoms, but it doesn't mean it's an allergy. It's likely happening via a different mechanism. And we don't have a great test for those type of things. So you certainly can call it intolerance. You can call it sensitivity. Um, the best way to kind of identify what foods may be making you feel um, a certain way or have certain symptoms is a food journal, which I recognize is challenging and tedious, mm -hmm. but it can really give you insight into what may be giving you the symptoms that you are dealing with that you want to get better. So, so you know how sometimes like some people will say, well, I eat that and my lips tingle. Yes. And that's maybe all the yeah response they receive great question great thing so as you're even talking with me liz i hope you're seeing and hearing how foods impact us in so many different ways yeah. and each person is going to be different and how it again is not just a hey let's just put on a test and see what happens because there's so many different symptoms that and, and changes and um, reactions, so to speak, that foods can cause. And so mm -hmm. a history is so important in deciding 
one, whether or not food allergy testing is indicated, and then two, what foods need or need not be tested. Um, it is not just, uh, again, putting on a broad panel and kind of seeing what comes back because again, of that risk of false positives where we're now not really sure how to move forward. Right. Um, so you're exactly right, lip tingling. Um, there are folks that have allergies to the environment where foods can impact them uh, not necessarily via a food allergy, but because of, interestingly, their pollen allergy, certain components of the food to their body look very similar to the pollen to which they are allergic. So what I explained to yes. patients is if they put that food in their mouth, their mm -hmm. body actually thinks they're shoving a bunch of pollen in their mouth, and that can result in localized mouth symptoms, itching, tingling, mild lip swelling, mild throat scratchiness. And so Again, I hope, you know, you can see how things aren't as black and white as we, you know, it'd be nice if they were, right. but uh, there's a lot of nuance here. This is good, though, to talk it out. I, my last question for you is, you know, as adults, we're always like eliminating what we think are the mm -hmm. bad foods in our diet. Mm -hmm. And my question is, if we add those back in. Yeah. Does it have like an exacerbated response? Like if I decide I'm going to go gluten free yeah. just because I think that that's, you know, going to help me lose or maintain sure. weight and then I start eating gluten again, does that, <laughs> does it have that react? Yeah, that great, reactivity. Great question. Because again, all these questions you're asking me, Liz, are conversations I have with patients. So, mm -hmm. so I will say for kids, unless it's a true food allergy, I often will counsel parents, usually for kiddos, if a certain food is making them feel a certain way, it's usually a matter of just cutting back rather than fully cutting out. Okay. Now again, every kid is different, but I usually counsel for kids, our goal is to keep their diet as broad as possible so you can get that nutrition. So it's usually a matter, again, of cutting back rather than fully cutting out. But each person is gonna be a little different. You kinda of have to work through what, what works best for your child. Mm -hmm. For adults, um, again, kind of doing that hard work of identifying what makes you feel those things that are so bothersome and then search, searching and trying to identify what category it may be. So gluten is a big one. Um, you know, there's folks on one end of the spectrum with true celiac disease where they must strictly avoid gluten. Otherwise it changes the lining of their intestines and it can be quite harmful to them. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the spectrum uh, is what I talked about that classic IgE mediated wheat allergy, not necessarily gluten allergy, but a wheat allergy um, where you eat wheat and you have those immediate symptoms of hives, lip swelling, tongue swelling, throat tightening, difficulty breathing. For a lot of folks, they sometimes fall in that middle zone where they don't have that true diagnosis of celiac, they don't have that food allergy, but they know when they eat gluten, it makes them feel pretty crummy. And mm -hmm. I, it can range from bloating and just a sense of feeling yuck to, yeah. I've had folks express concerns about joint pain, fatigue, yeah. you know, it really can range. And so this is certainly not to minimize those symptoms because they can make us feel really poorly. But what they find is that if they cut gluten out, if they eliminate it, they do feel better. Now, mm -hmm. again, each person's different. I have some folks who, you know, I always say you're an adult, right? You can make that decision. If you want that <laughs> pizza on a Friday night, you can have it because we know it's not going to harm you, but you may be paying the price it may not, for yeah, it. That's it may right. not feel great. That's right. But I find that for those folks who fit in that window, depending on your symptoms, they do find they feel so much better without it a lot of times that they just choose to leave it out. Mm -hmm. But again, knowing that if they decide to kind of have that pizza or have that gluten dish, they may have the symptoms later. Um, 
but you see how with those types of symptoms it is a almost like a choice of of how you want those foods to to impact you whereas with food allergy we or you know in the world of gluten celiac disease you must practice that strict avoidance otherwise it can be life-threatening um so I think the biggest thing to know is there's so many nuances to food allergy. We as allergists are here to help you navigate that, but it's always important to take a patient by patient approach, get a good history, Mm -hmm. and then have a conversation about why testing may or even may not be indicated and why that is. but yeah, so. <laughs> oh, I love it. We've learned so much today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for sitting down with us, Dr. Sarah Adams. And uh, it's so good to be with you. Yeah, thanks, Liz. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Clear the Air. Please consider following this podcast. And remember, if you want helpful and accurate information about allergies and asthma, our allergy experts are here to clear the air.